2: From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, we're going to hear from someone who literally wrote an entire book all about sweat.
3: Everybody's always hating on sweat. And, you know, I think we all need a little perspiration pep talk. And then we'll
2: unpack the nature of a really good scam.
3: They're called
4: scam artists or con artists for a reason. Like, there is an art to it. And it does require uh, a confidence and a charisma. And, you know, it's the same thing that we value. Value in successful CEOs and leaders. But
2: first, it's our panel on the week that was. With us this week, we've got Jacoby Cochran. He's the host of the CityCast Chicago podcast. Jacoby, hey.
1: Hey, thanks for having me back. Those first two topics sounded interesting as hell. <laughs>
2: Good. I'm glad you think so. That means I made a good sell, right? Uh, We also have with us WBEZ political reporter Mariah Wolfel. Mariah, hello. Hey, thanks for having me back too. So a huge story from this week, obviously, was the release of new COVID guidance from the CDC. They kind of backtracked on what they said a couple months ago. They said that masks should be required for everyone in public schools and in indoor public spaces and areas with high case counts, whether or not you're vaccinated. Um, I'm curious, Mariah, I mean, you've done a lot of reporting on COVID and vaccines. Knowing what you do, were you surprised by this week's news? Oh,
5: I was not surprised at all. Um, I did stop wearing a mask for a little bit indoors, like when I was running into CVS or Walgreens, Mm -hmm. um, I'm vaccinated. But, uh, a couple weeks ago I was, I made the decision to start wearing a mask again indoors. And I think a lot of people around me have started rethinking that as we've seen cases rise. And especially as, you know, we're still trying to figure out what breakthrough cases look like and how vaccinated people might um, spread this to unvaccinated people who can get, you know, severely ill from COVID still. Um, It didn't, yeah, it didn't really surprise me. I started texting like friends and family over the past week to be like, hey, I'm wearing a mask again. Hope you Mm -hmm. are too. So no, I wasn't surprised. And especially, you know, we've all seen the CDC is not afraid to change guidance. Right. Um, Right. um, And so it's, it's unfortunate. And I just, I hope that everyone like puts their frustration aside right now with this, these changing guidelines and can just like keep an eye on the prize and once again, change our behavior. Um, You know, there are people who never stop wearing a mask and they probably feel (laughs) really vindicated right
2: now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I want to be really careful not to criticize the CDC partly because I think it's really important for them to be, you know, like as things change, as a new variant arises and spreads more virulently, like I think we have to be really, you know, of course the guidelines should change. I think... The thing that gets me is that there's just enough vagueness around all of it that it's just really complicated. Like, Mariah, the fact that you're, you know, like you have taken upon yourself to decide that wearing a mask again is the right thing to do. And you're telling your friends and family that, you know, I mean, that's really important. But how nice if the CDC just kind of did that in the first place, you know, Jacoby, where are you with the mask stuff? Like, are you are you wearing one indoors again these days?
1: Uh, I'm right there with both of you in my confusion, but also my recognition that I kind of had a feeling this was gonna happen. Mm. So I wasn't shocked. But I am confused about, you know, the cycle that it feels like we're in, that we kind of take a couple steps forward, then a couple steps back. Mm -hmm. You know, with the original variant of COVID, we recognize that it started in another country, started to proliferate before really taking hold here. And we kind of saw the same thing with the Delta variant, right? We saw it taking hold in other places and yet we started to move forward. We started to tell people to relax. And and at that point when they told us to unmask, what was it? 1% of all cases were related to the Delta variant mm-hmm. and now it's close to 83%. And so, yeah, I, I took my mask off for a while. I always keep a mask on me, right? Mm-hmm. Always got it on me um, when I'm in the grocery store. But if I'm in a store when there weren't many people, I was taking it off, but I don't mind throwing the mask back on despite how uncomfortable it makes me because I do want people around me to feel safe. Yeah. I do want people around me to feel comforted to not um to not think that I am uh, sort of just lackadaisical with with what's going on. We've been covering, you know, updates in COVID our entire time on Citycast mm-hmm. and I'm trying to do my best to to follow the guidelines as they move but uh you know, when you listen to Dr. Allison Arwoody, the commissioner of, of the Chicago Department of Public Health, it you know, sometimes she's along with the CDTC. Sometimes she's saying we're not there yet. And, and that can feel very confusing.
2: Totally. Another big story from this week was the House committee investigation into the January 6th attacks on the Capitol. We heard from four witnesses. They were all either Capitol Hill or Washington, D.C. police officers. And they testified. I mean, it was, you know, really intense. It was There was brutal detail about what happened to them. I'm curious if either of you watched it or listened to it. Mariah, did you?
5: I listened to it a little bit on and off um, just throughout the work day. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I, I definitely teared up. It was really difficult to listen to the emotions and the aftermath that these officers um, are dealing with now. And um, I think it was important for the public to listen to you know the experiences um of that day you know seven months out now i mean <laughs> i'm sure a lot uh, there are a lot of people who wish this happened sooner but mm. you know january feels just like a world away it um does. from us right now and so to to kind of just like re-remember what you know the extreme events that had happened i think was a good reminder um to everyone uh about like where we are as a country and the like ugly truths that we still face,
2: yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting that. Jacoby, did you watch or listen?
1: Uh, I did watch some of it and listen to the testimonies
2: what What stood out to you
1: I, I I hate to be negative here, but honestly, what stood out to me is the space that it's taken up yeah you know the the large you know rhetorical spectacle of attack on democracy and you know, they were protecting democracy. I mean, they were dealing with the consequences of democracy shortcomings. Mm. And I'd like to see just as much attention. I'd like to see congressional members crying as they listen to the testimonies of people who were getting their ass beat in the street last year
2: mm, during the protests yeah, um,
1: by people on the other side. And so while I emotionally, you know took in those testimonies and I feel for those men and those individuals and what they went through. Um, you know, I, I can't help but also see the political pageantry of it all to see, you know, uh, Illinois representative Adam Kissinger sitting up there and doing his sort of preparation for GOP stumping, you know? And, and, and so I know that if those weren't officers on the other side of that mayhem, we wouldn't be listening to them in prime time. Hmm. I also, as I watched it, because it was the same thing I thought the day had happened. I was like, if me, if the people who look like me and my friends were out mm-hmm. there, would they have accepted as much as they right. took? Yeah. yeah. Right. Would we, would we have gotten on the other side of those doors? And I think we all know the answer to that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is completely changing gears, but I think it'll be a fun one to touch on. Uh, there's a new ad campaign. It's been catching people's eyes and hearts this week. It's an ad for Burberry's Hero Cologne, and it includes Adam Driver turning into a centaur. Uh I just thought this was the most ridiculous, and, and I will add, like, full disclosure, I have had a crush on Adam, Adam Driver for a very long time. I'm not sure how much this ad changed that. I'm, like, a little ambivalent about it, um, but I don't know. I just think the whole thing is hilarious. Um, there was a Vulture headline. Nate Jones wrote it. The headline was, at last an Adam Driver you can truly ride. <laughs> Oh my god! I just think it's oh hilarious. Um, I I made both of you watch it, Mariah. What did you think?
5: <laughs> <laughs> um. I, uh. Yeah. I I think Adam Driver's hot. Um. I. <laughs> I thought that he was kind of weird looking at first. Like he's so oh, tall super and big and his face yeah. is so big. It's a type. <laughs> yeah, it's such a type. And I feel like Burberry is uncharacteristic of Adam. Right. Like his full yeah. appeal, like he's kind of off brand and like, yes, I don't know, like, oh, I don't know, hipster or not hipster, but just like. Right. I mean, play. he was a girls. Yeah. yeah. No, I get
2: what you're saying.
5: Um, but yeah, I'm I'm against I'm against the sexual sexualization of animals or centaurs. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't I don't like
2: controversial him. stance.
5: <laughs> <laughs> and I also, but then at the same time, it's weird because then at the same time, I'm like kind of upset that they didn't show him as a centaur, like in full.
2: Okay. Mm, right it's just sort of like the silhouette mm. yeah
5: it's like a silhouette at the end and there's all this build up and then we don't even get to really see him as a centaur so maybe I'm not
2: <laughs> you need more payoff
5: <laughs> yeah, Two exactly. uh, conflicting emotions at the same time which is I guess what centaurs do to you um, like that's hilarious
2: centaur. yeah yeah no I that that tracks what do you think Jacoby? <laughs>
1: honestly after the ad the question i had on my mind is where's is this body of water and can any can, can anybody just take an animal of their choice
2: <laughs> swim with it and become
1: it into the water and <laughs> then merge with that animal and does it always come out in the ways that we expect because what if it had come out and it was the legs of adam driver and he looked like bojack fucking horse yeah. <laughs> like, like, like,
5: has a horse face
2: yeah. He's
1: kind of already Adam.
5: <laughs>
0: saying- He's
2: got some equine features we could say. That's yeah. a nicer way of putting yeah.
1: it. Yeah. Uh he already got a bojack vibe to him. Uh not not necessarily being a trash human being. Uh <laughs> but just you know in, in the facial region. Right. And so I I just thought, you know, what if what if the horse strayed too far and he merged with a sea turtle, right? Mm-hmm. And he was just this old Adam driver <laughs> sea turtle.
2: Well, will that sell cologne, though? <laughs>
1: It would, because the the, the the tortoise is still the hero. I saw a video last week of a tortoise beating a hare, and the bunny just stopped in the middle of the race. So I'd, I'd love to see just Adam drive as a turtle. Just like, get you some hero cologne. <laughs> the turtle would be pretty hilarious. <laughs> That's what I
0: wanted to see.
2: So I think as a final note, I would love to know if y'all could get paid like obscene amounts of money to shoot an ad where you could get into the magical body of water and transform into a mythical creature what would the creature be?
1: Um, That's a very, very good question. It's deep, man.
5: (laughs) Yeah, we could get into some shit here.
1: We really could. Mm -hmm. Honestly, um, I'm going to pick a bear. Mm. I'm going to pick a bear. The shit we let bears get away with. (laughs) Like we just sometimes we let them do their thing sometimes we just like go in the trash just run through the run through the yard like I I mean we're probably obviously trash to bears like we're trash to everything Mm -hmm. else on this planet um but I'd I'd love to go in Jacoby and come out uh Osito just just a little bear
2: (laughs) what do you think Mariah
5: um I think I would be a dragon Uh, specifically Daenerys Targaryen's dragon. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay. She loves her dragons so much. She would do anything for them. She's the mother
2: of dragons, yeah. She's
5: always like, where are my dragons? Where are they? (laughs) Where are my dragons?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which one? The undead one?
2: Oh, Oh, yeah. The zombie dragon?
5: Okay, so to be honest, I have to come clean. I am just watching Game of Thrones. Oh now. my god, Mariah.
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> so I just So we just spoiled that for you. No, no, no. I just met the undead dragon. I'm oh okay. done with fear Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh so I don't know because yeah I guess I have to see which
2: prevails. Um
1: mm, Okay. I mean you you're not in for much of a shocker, but okay.
2: no, no, it's all pretty downhill from here. I guess. Yeah, no, I, I know.
5: I can. I can just expect more of the same. I'm, I'm,
2: I'm yeah, excited. yeah. Which I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's the closest thing we have to real life at this point, anyway. Right? Is that a bummer note to yeah. end on? Kinda.
1: No. <laughs> if you can't have slight existential crises with your homies, then what else can you do? <laughs>
2: Thank you both for going on this slight existential crisis with me this week. I thought it was really fun, despite the existential crisisness of it.
1: Hey, we doing what we gotta do to get by.
2: <laughs> exactly, Jacoby, Mariah, y'all are the best. Thanks,
1: Greta. Thank you, Greta.
2: Next guest is Sarah Everts. She's a journalism professor at Carleton University and her new book is called The Joy of Sweat: The Strange Science of Perspiration. Sarah, welcome to Nerdette. It's great to be here. So, the title is a nod to The Joy of Sex, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to
3: start there. <laughs> Uh, It is sort of a nod to that. Yes, it's also just a nod to um, sort of the unexpected take on sweat, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody's always hating on sweat. And you know, I think, you know, as I write in the book, we all need a little perspiration pep talk.
2: Yes, which I'm really excited to have with you. But I do think we need to start with some of the mechanics of sweat. We're one of the only creatures that actually sweats right right it's kind of our human superpower actually uh
3: in terms of uh evolution's way of you know bequeathing a cool down strategy it's actually one of the best in the animal kingdom because it's Hmm. so efficient right so what happens is um Well, first of all, you've got blood swirling around your body and Mm -hmm. when your body overheats, uh, it gets a a cool down directive and all of your sweat glands start sourcing sweat from the watery parts of blood. Um, It's called this thing called interstitial fluid Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, then it dispatches it to your skin and um, your hot body evaporates away the sweat and whisks the heat away. And meanwhile, you've got all your blood vessels that have been pushed up against your skin, and hot blood from your interior is whisking by and being cooled by that evaporation. And if you think about our human history, um, you know, most of our prey uh, sprints way faster than us. Right. But they ultimately have to slow down and stop to cool down so they don't uh, die of heat stroke. Yeah. So we can chase that prey. Um, and, you know, we may not be running as fast as it, but, you know, we'll catch up forcing it to run again and then run again and run again. And, you know, the modern day equivalent is, you know, running marathons. We can run for many hours um, and not die of heat stroke.
2: I don't know about marathons. I mean, it's like, that sounds miserable, running a marathon. But I see what you mean. The idea is that we can run for a very long time if we have to, or for some reason, if we want to. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So what got you interested in sweat? When did this start? So there's sort of like three reasons.
3: Um, The first is, you know, like a lot of people, I've always sort of worried about my sweat. I wondered if I sweat too Mm -hmm. much or too soon. You know, I do sweat pretty fast, like when I'm in any workout, uh, I'm always the first person to reach for my towel, like even <laughs> in the warm up during like hot yoga, you know, I am already <laughs> dripping and I, I know you're supposed to be super Zen in your downward dog, but I'm like looking around, um, seeing if <laughs> anybody else is dripping. So like, I kind of thought to myself at some point, you know, listen, I'm, you know, a recovering chemist. I, you know, I used to be a scientist, I'm right. a science journalist, I, you know, I can, learn more about this cool thing. And I had known that, you know, evolutionarily, it was like one of the things that distinguished humans. So I thought, okay, let's dig into this and see
2: what we find. And oh, my God, it was so much more interesting than I thought. (laughs) I wanted to ask you about something you wrote in the acknowledgement section. It's actually the first people you thank is every person who told me about their perspiration. (laughs) (laughs) So. I am imagining you like at a cocktail party or something and someone's like, "So, what are you working on these days?" and you're like, "Actually, I have got this book about sweat." And they're like, "Oh my god, let me tell you about this crazy thing." Is that what it was like? Yes, that's exactly. I started calling it um Sweat Confidentials. You no, know,
3: I would, you know, mention, uh, "Yeah, I'm working on this sweat book." And people would be like, "Oh." And they'd like pull me aside and really? they'd be like, my partner sweats behind his knees and puts like antiperspirant, but only behind one knee because the other knee doesn't sweat. But yeah, you know, like, like so you you hear all these wonderful, um, incredible stories and questions. People would ask me questions that I, I had never thought of, um, and then I'm like, oh, I guess I need to answer it in the book. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I really you know I, I I'm kind of making. Like light of it. But I also appreciate, you know, the people who, you know, really just shared their insecurities with me too, you know?
2: Yeah, totally. So do you think when people asked you or talked, like shared their sweat confidentials, how often was it like, based on your research, am I normal?
3: Yeah. So it's really funny because, you know, sweating is this thing that's like universally human, um but it's right. also super dramatic. I mean, if you think yeah. about it, like we've all got like between 2 and 5 million sweat glands. I have 3, I got mine counted. Oh, um, cool. And, you know, there's this like sudden, you know, flood That happens. Um, And so it is a little weird and and disconcerting. And, you know, I think if you think about all other bodily fluids or or things your body does that you kind of don't necessarily want to have happen, you have a small amount of control. Like you can hold back a burp or a fart or, you know, pee or poop for a small amount of time, enough for you to like find yourself some privacy and Mm, do what you need to do. But sweat is... Completely out of our conscious control. Like when your body gets the cool down directive, there is nothing you can do. And Mm -hmm. humans don't like to be out of control. Um, And I think that that's partly why we're a little bit insecure about it, because we know we just don't have any control over it.
2: Right. That makes a lot of sense. And of course, you talk about how that insecurity essentially is propped up and preyed upon by the antiperspirant industry, which is massive and worth billions and billions of dollars. But there's a flip side that you talk about in the book that I thought was really fun. And that is smell dating. Can you tell us about it?
3: I would love to tell you about smell dating. <laughs> um, I know this was like the most. Sur- well, there are some surreal other surreal moments like doing the wave naked in a very large coliseum like sauna. <laughs> but that was not that's not Moscow. So Moscow was the. Um, uh, A sweat dating event where the premise is that, you know, there's all sorts of reasons we find other people attractive and Mm -hmm. end up with them for a date or for our lives. But, you know, ultimately you're going to sniff their body odor and it's going to be a make or break moment. And Mm -hmm. so why not, you know, cut to the chase and get that uh, out of the way, use it as your triage for, (laughs) for partnering up. And then, you know, later see if if the other stuff works out. And um, so, what happens? And and I did this in Moscow, but uh, quite honestly, these events have been held in New York City, in Rio, in Berlin, um, all over the world. Uh, and you show up, and the first thing they do is they give you a wet wipe so that you wipe down anywhere where you've put on you know product or perfume and Mm -hmm. then you do uh some high intensity interval training like jumpy (laughs) jacks burpees (laughs) uh uh, and you work up a sweat at which point um they give you a cotton pad uh which you dab in all the parts and uh, put into (laughs) a jar and the jar is numbered and only you know your number and the organizers know your number and Mm -hmm. that jar is put on a table, um, and nobody is, you know, broken down. It's, you know, all gender identities all orientations all in a mm-hmm. jar and you just mm-hmm. sniff through the jars and um, find the body odors that speak to you and pick your top five and <laughs> i know <laughs> and if you um if i say found your body odor attractive um, and put you in my top five and if you did the same for me Mm. then we would be a match and we would get a VIP bracelet to an all-you-can-drink vodka cocktail lounge <laughs> to get to know each other. So yeah, I, yeah, it was very fun. Um,
2: oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to picture that happening in North America and it's difficult to fathom that that, that just sounds exquisitely Russian. <laughs> <You
3: know? laughs> it was really fun. And you know, uh, like, it, it, you know, they, there are also insecurities there. You know, I talked to all, all sorts of people um, who, you know, were talking about, yeah, I'm kind of excited about this, but, you know, I'm mm. I'm worried. Um,
2: there was, I guess that is a different level of vulnerability Yeah, first dates usually involved. Do you know what the success rate is for that? No,
3: I don't. I mean, there was
2: like, <laughs> so I, I followed up. There was,
3: um, oh my God, there's kind of an anti-success rate. So when <laughs> I, I met a couple at the beginning who had come... And they were an established couple. And they're like, we're going to find oh, each wow. other through the nose yet again. <gasps> and I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> and they like, oh. he picked her, but she didn't pick him for her top oh, five. No. I know. But, um, you know, later in the vodka, I, I ended up matching with – um. Uh, a really lovely woman who is also matched with another guy. And so he and I were sort of like play fighting over her. Um, But yeah, there was this one couple and they were like so sweet and kind of like gangly and very young. And um, I was like, okay, there's some
2: chemistry. Oh, that's really cute. Well, and that is like kind of literal chemistry. Yeah, exactly. So for people who do read this book, like, what do you, what do you want the takeaway to be for them? You know, I kind of want the takeaway to be that
3: when you're sweating, it's your body doing its best to keep you alive. So like, you know, dial down the stress, dial down the anxiety and, you know, just appreciate it for what it's trying to do. I mean, seals pee on themselves to get wet enough to evaporate away body. Yeah, that sucks.
2: Right? (laughs) Yeah, I think next time I find myself very sweaty, I'm just going to be like, Greta, it's not pee. It's going to be fine.
3: (laughs) So much better than what it could have (laughs) been. Oh,
2: Sarah, thank you so much. This was really fun. Oh, it's been a pleasure. After the break... We'll hear from the Vice reporter who broke the story on Fire Festival about why we can't stop falling for scams.
0: Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen
2: From Fire Festival to Theranos to Anna Delvey to Juicero, it really does seem like we are living in kind of a golden age of grifters. And given that we have access to so much more information than ever before, sometimes it's hard to believe that we haven't figured this out yet. Like, we should know how not to get scammed. And yet... There is just something about our culture right now that seems to enable scams to take root. Our next guest is here to help us understand what's really going on there. Gabrielle Bluestone is the author of Hype, How Scammers, Grifters, and Con Artists Are Taking Over the Internet and Why We're Following. Gabrielle, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So this book came to be partly because you're the reporter who broke the story about the fire Festival for Vice. Uh, For those of us who don't remember or who maybe just like blocked it out, can you remind us what happened with that one?
4: Yeah, in the spring of 2017, you know, if you were an Instagram user at the time, it was almost impossible to avoid the marketing for this music festival. It was posited as kind of a more... Luxurious version of Coachella to be held on a private island in the Bahamas, reachable only by private jet or yacht, and starring you know some of Instagram's most followed influencers like Haley Bieber, Bella Hadid, Kendall Jenner, um, and their cohort. And when it all kind of came to fruition, the ticket holders found themselves on uh, you know in a deserted gravel pit, uh, a development pit next to a Sandals resort. There was nothing luxurious about it. The villas they had been promised turned out to be FEMA tents. Uh, There were no musical acts whatsoever. And uh, they were kind of just deserted there.
2: So you didn't actually go, did you? No,
4: no, I was spared that experience.
2: (laughs) So what was the moment when you're kind of watching this unfold where you're like, oh, shit, like, this is going to be a book that I'm going to write?
4: Um, well, I think the the initial Oh, shit moment had to have been the cheese sandwich when that went viral. That was just, you know, like a a moment seen around the world. And it was a very, um, if you weren't there, it was a hilarious day on social media. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you were there, it was probably the worst weekend of your life.
2: Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe with Fire Festival, I don't know, we don't even have to be that specific. Like, how do people get taken in by this stuff? Is it just the idea of like hyper exclusivity that does it
4: well um that certainly fuels that feeling of fomo but i think it's like a perfect confluence of social and cultural forces right now. We are living in this very peculiar age of online performance Mm. that I think really colors our offline experience. There was a moment when the, the experience of events started to matter less than the way that you could, um, reproduce it for others. And so people were really primed for this Instagram ready event. Like Hmm. it was like the chance to enter into this Instagram that you could only follow up until
2: then. So to what extent do you think we're all vulnerable to that? Like I think about like what you've just said makes sense. And I, I get it to a certain extent, but also like you know, I work for public radio, there is literally no way on earth that I am going to be able to afford a private jet to a private island to a music festival, you know?
4: Yeah. And probably that wouldn't even be something that you would be thinking about that you wanted or needed in your life. Um, right. once Not you on see my it <laughs> going viral and once kind of someone is offering you entree into that, it's very difficult to make rational decisions. You know, for the most part, we don't feel like empathy or pity for the victims of scams. Like, that's not a typical human reaction. Mm. Um, And that's in part because, you know, we all overestimate our own intelligence. And then also, (laughs) you know, they're called scam artists or con artists for a reason. Like, there is an art to it. And it does require... Uh, a confidence and a charisma. And, you know, it's the same thing that we value in successful CEOs and leaders. It's no coincidence that Billy McFarlane got two documentaries and a book and a scripted series. You know, the Wolf of Wall Street got played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Like we do kind of (laughs) deify them in pop culture. And so there is that kind of element to it as well.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So much of what you're talking about has to do with the fact that social media can be inherently pernicious. I wonder, are you still on there, though?
4: I am. You know, I can't stay away. (laughs) It's troubling, but, you know, it's ingrained in us. Like, what do you do when you're standing
2: online waiting for the subway and bored? Yeah, I don't know. There's just such an irony to it because it's like, I mean, I know, like, you could could take some deep breaths. (laughs) But, like, why would you do that if you could check and see if anybody... DM'd you on twitter or whatever you know yeah it doesn't it doesn't hit quite the same way (laughs) well gabrielle thank you so much for chatting with me of course it's a really interesting conversation
4: thank you yeah
2: that's it for today we will be back in your feed on tuesday with a special episode of nerd at book club book critics beth ann patrick and liberty hardy are going to join us to wave their arms and yell about all of their favorite books so far of 2021 it is a very fun time i'm very excited for you to hear it this episode was produced by me isabel carter and hannah edgar our executive producer is brendan banizak we will see you next week